Hey everybody, this is Ryan with the Circle of Dads podcast. Welcome. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for listening to our show. Thank you for downloading it and sharing it with your friends and leaving us reviews. If you haven't done those things, I, I, would, I would ask you to please take the time and do that. Download us to your device, uh, subscribe, share with a friend if you get something out of this or if you think they would, and then um, leave us reviews and ratings. I mean, that stuff matters. It just takes a few seconds and it, and it really, it really pays off the big for us. I mean, that's how we get found. Uh, and it helps us grow our, grow our audience. You know, if you hear anything from anyone on, um, on this episode or on any of these episodes that you get something from, share it, share their Instagram, share them with other people, buy their products, you know, check them out. And that's, that's, that's how we're going to continue to grow and help each other. And, and when we help them, they help us and, and everybody wins. So speaking of that, on episode 35, we had Scott Hambrick of Online Great Books. And what that is, is it's a uh, program to where they send you a book. Um, you know, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle. Um, and then they walk you through the book. You know, and they kind of build you up to more complicated books. And I don't, I'm sure y'all have heard me talk in previous episodes that my education stopped pretty soon and pretty abrupt. When it comes to things like these, I've always been a little intimidated by it because it's like, damn, man, I mean, where do you even begin? And what they have done is they have made it to where anybody can read these books and they kind of walk you through and coach you through and and talk you through each of these works and now, listeners of Circle of Dads, if you go to onlinegreatbooks.com slash circle, you'll get 25% off the first three months of your subscription. And then it helps us out as well. Helps us, you know, pay for this show, pay for production costs. And then also, we've got another partner. There's a lot of CBD companies out there. Um, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. Everybody has a product. Uh, they're putting it in toothpaste and beer and toilet paper and just about everything. But it's hard to find good products and all that noise because where do you even begin? With Berkeley Gold, that's a Texas-based company that's nationally recognized. They're a CBD brand who offer healthy CBD options for all of your wellness needs. Berkeley Gold's current products include CBD tinctures, CBD gummies, topicals and cbd pet products i don't know about y'all but if, if any of y'all have a dog um, that's a little neurotic or gets a little jumpy like when you travel you know we tend to take 12 or 13 hour road trips um maybe once or twice a year and we take our dog with us and gus is is a majestic animal you know he's a german shepherd lab mix i mean he's most fucking handsome dog I've ever met, but he's big. He's like 110 pounds. He's seven years old and he's a sweetheart. But when he's walking back and forth in my truck, just pacing across the back seat, it's not a lot of fun. And especially not if anybody's back there with him. So these CBD gummies kind of help him calm down a little bit and they don't hurt the dog. They don't make them, they don't give them anxiety. Uh, the ones with the THC do. So if you're giving your dog gummies and they have uh, THC in them. It's not real good for them. This is a company that has all pharmacist formulated products. They don't just throw some stuff together. Everything is 100% USA organic. They're lab tested to ensure consistency and transparency from seed to shelf. If you want to learn more about Berkeley Gold, 
and their comprehensive line of THC-free CBD products, please go to www.berkeleygoldcbd.com. That's B-E-R-K-E-L-E-Y-G-O-L-D-C-B-D.com. Or you can follow them on Instagram at berkeley underscore gold and Facebook berkeley gold LTD. Also, Circle of Dads listeners, um, if you type in circle15 at checkout, you'll get 15% off your order, and then that helps us. Helps them, helps us, helps you, everybody wins. Okay, I got all that out of the way. And it's really, I shouldn't even say out of the way because I'm just super grateful to have partners like this and have uh, sponsorship opportunities. That means things are going good. And we're just going to continue to keep growing. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful for every conversation I've had, every opportunity I've had um, to meet new people. And, and, and if we're helping you in any way or if you've gotten anything from this show, um, every once in a while my ego needs a little boost and I need to beat up that imposter syndrome. So if you could send me an email at ryan at circleofdadspodcast.com or on Instagram, let us know how we're doing. Good, bad, ugly suggestions. I'm, I'm, open, I'm open to it all. Now this next guest is uh, Traver Baum. Traver is a super interesting guy. Like I ran across him on Instagram and, and then I started watching some of his, uh, I watched a Ted talk that he did on spending 28 days in a dark room, not a dark, like dimly lit. I mean like pitch black and his process through that. It was fascinating. Um, and a little terrifying, you know, I was sitting there thinking about how it would be for me and I was like, Oh God, that's some growth. I don't know if I'm there yet. Um, he wrote, uh, he wrote The Man Uncivilized, which is, well, you'll kind of have to check it out. Um, I posted about it on Instagram, but it is an awesome book. He was so gracious to take a Zoom call with me. He was at an Airbnb in Colorado, and I was at one in Arizona, and we made it happen, and it was a great conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think all you guys need to hear it, especially you guys um, and you girls, ladies, women. Listen, um, listen all the way through. And then at the end, there's an offer from me. I'd hope you take me up on it. And that's it. So ladies and gentlemen, here's Trevor Baum. (laughs) Welcome to the Circle of Dads, the space for sharing stories about the struggles and triumphs of fatherhood and learning to become better men. All right, so welcome to the Circle of Dads podcast. Thank you. The whole reason the Circle of Dads came about was, um, you know, there's a lot of good dads pages and groups and podcasts, and they got great information. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fucking welder. Mm. You know, I'm not a shrink. I'm not a therapist or anything like that, but I was a complete fuckhead for a lot of years. Mm. In the very beginning of my daughter's life, Mm. I just didn't have my shit together. I wanted to desperately. Yeah. Like I desperately did not want to be like my dad, but alcohol and drugs, man. And I was very quickly headed that way. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was, you know, that relationship blew up, not the one with my daughter, but the one with the ex mm-hmm. and I got sober, uh, kind of, well, one happened before the other. And then, um, what I found, man, is I wasn't emotionally equipped mm-hmm. 
to be in a relationship with anyone or raise a child. So I started just getting into that shit, you know, like, let's figure it out. Let's, uh, let's figure out why I've got these intimacy issues, these trust issues, why I'm trying to change everything from the neck up any chance I can, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so I heard you, um, and I heard you talk about, I think it was, you were, uh, talking about, you were in a room full of 40 guys and you're at a seminar and the girl's like, Hey, do you want to know the secret to blow her mind? (laughs) And, and y'all are all just like, yeah, you know, salivating. And it's like, go handle your shit, Mm -hmm. go handle your fucking mommy issues. Yep. And then, and then you'll be good to go. Amen. And so, yeah, Michaela Bohm is the teacher. She's a phenomenal teacher. And I heard that and I was like, oh man, I got to talk to this guy. Yeah. Uh, Um, so, so tell me about, I, I would, I could come off with a generic introduction of stuff I found on it, but but you've done enough self-discovery. I don't want to tell you who you are. You tell me who you are. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, my name is Traver Bohm, and I think I'll, I'll add or I'll start with like a resume, resume piece. I founded and run a men's movement called the Uncivilized Men's Movement. I'm the author of the book, Man Uncivilized, and I am a man. And that, that sentence, right? Like, I am a man was not something that had any depth five years ago, Ren. Sure. I knew it. Like, yes, I look in the mirror naked. Like I'm a dude, right? I'm a human with a dick. That's the definition of, that was the definition of a man to me five years ago. And now today it is, it's not a spiritual path because I don't want to conflate and equate the two, but it is a path, right? My path and my journey to discovery specifically as a man, how I live specifically as a man is a path of self-discovery is a path of evolution, of transformation, of transcendence, just like a religious path would be. And one not being more important than the other, except you kind of got to live on earth for a while. And if you're going to be a dude, you might as well use what you've been given biologically, sociologically, societally and say, huh, how do I look into this, dive into this, read into this, feel into this, and then use those discoveries and, and understandings to change your day-to-day on-earth behavior to live a great life, to live a healthy life, to be a great dad, to be a great brother, to be a great partner, to be a great lover, to be a great employee, be a great welder. I don't give a fuck what it is, to be a great something. And so I think when I answer the question, I can tell you all the shit I do, right? And as dudes, we're like, what do you do, right? I do a fuck ton of stuff all the time, all day long that has 25 different hats and a bunch of different businesses and my social life. Yet the most concrete statement I can tell you is I am a man. And there's weight on that. There's gravitas in that. There's thought and introspection and meditation and journals full of what the fuck does that mean? Books read, podcasts listened to, workshops attended, right? Because to me, that is still the most important sentence that I'll tell you before I tell you anything else. That's who excellent. Yeah, excellent. You know, the, most guys, uh, well, 
in my experience, you know, I'm from Texas. There's a lot of bravado. There's mm-hmm. a lot of big swinging dicks. Or even if you don't have a big swinging dick, you, you, you get something really big to make it look like you have a big swinging dick. <laughs> you know, guys, I was raised to not talk about shit, not get into shit, not, not, um, not figure out who you are, not question anything. You know, you're given your religion, your social security number, and then your sports team. Right. And then you, you go defend those to the death. Yeah. And that's just not my bag, you know. Um, people think that being an alpha male and being emotionally uh, uh, in tune, knowledgeable, emotionally sober, um, that those two things cannot coexist. Mm-hmm. And it was it was uh, it was hard for me to figure out who I was mm-hmm. until I figured out that I can get into this deep shit. And I can start figuring out what makes me tick and go down my own journey. Right. And I was getting, I was catching shit at every angle for it. Of course. You know, but I found very quickly, like when I'm talking to another man, I, I, it, I don't want to talk about football. I don't want to talk about the weather. Mm-hmm. Like I want to get, let's get deep. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some, some below surface shit. Mm-hmm. Because when all those things that you were listing off, you know, the, the businesses and, and all the other things that you do, if you lose all those, if they're taken from you, mm-hmm. then what the fuck do you have left? Exactly. I think the, so, the more honest question is when those are taken from you. Not if, not but if, when. Right? And very few men are blessed enough to go through, or maybe not even blessed isn't the right word. Very few men will go their whole lives without some kind of fall, some kind of deep loss, some kind of... I call it in the book, I call it a catabasis, like the crisis, maybe not the life crisis where it's like, no, I want a Ferrari and to fuck my 19 year old secretary. But the crisis that went, oh shit, up until this point, I've never had to ask one, who am I period without these titles, this woman, this car, this house, this, this body, right. And who am I as a man, even more important. So I think what we're seeing now, Ryan, is the honesty of, holy shit, this is going to happen. You're going to get divorced. You're going to have someone close to you die. Your business is going to go down. You may have a chronic illness. You may have a massive injury. Or you may just have the existential crisis of, oh my God, I achieved everything I ever wanted, everything I was supposed to, and I thought I wanted. And wow, this is the true spiritual test of everybody. Now I'm not happy. It didn't bring me the joy. It didn't bring me the sense of satisfaction, right? You said below the surface. And I think for men, it's really important if we have this visual of an iceberg and what sticks up above the iceberg is like the top, I don't know, like 15%, let's just say. Mm-hmm. And what we do as men is we, we fight for that 15% and we put all of our time, our energy, our life force, our devotion into making that as shiny as it can possibly be. And as beautiful as it can possibly be. And we do no work on what's sitting below the water. Because no one can see it. Yet that's where the real sense of satisfaction comes. That's when the real sense of joy comes. That's when even if that top gets knocked off, sure, it's going to suck for a couple of weeks. But you know, I'm, go- I'm good. I'm solid. I'm on solid ground here. As opposed to, I got nothing. I didn't even know there was anything below the surface. Now the top piece has been divorced, died, sick, bankrupt. Now I'm going to think about taking a fucking bullet. 
which is what so many men end up doing. And so this work to me is as alpha as alpha gets because it's super easy to build businesses. It's super easy to go shoot some shit in your arm and lift weights and get huge. It's easy to make money. It's easy to fuck women. And yet it's not easy to go. Yes. And yes, I want that. I want to drive a nice car. I want to live in a nice house. I want to fuck beautiful women. I want to make a lot of money. I want to have a huge impact in the world. And None of that means a damn thing if I don't lie in bed at night and go, you are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You are awesome. You are kind. You are a good man. You're you're respected. You're a good father. You're doing your best. You're doing your best. I appreciate you. I'm proud of you. Like all these things that we're hoping we get to hear and feel by buying the car, buying the house, dating the woman, when instead, if they come from the inside, None of the other stuff matters. And then it's a choice as to whether you acquire the X, Y, Z, right? Men, it's alpha to me to go, yeah, I can or cannot. And I choose to not, I have no choice to, I've I've just got to put in 80 hours a week because all my friends have Mercedes. So I have to have a Mercedes. And this is what I'm doing with the next two years of my life. I'm literally acquiring a car. (laughs) It's, which, in, you know, we hear, you hear it now. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe I worked my entire twenties trying to be a CEO of something. That was it. That's all I want to do is be a CEO. And they're like, you can work 120 hours a week. I'm like, sign me up. Don't care. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. Don't, don't care. Sick. It's the title. Skinny, angry, like shitty relationships, drinking a lot. It was like, cool. I get to do it. The, the, the top of my iceberg says CEO. Fuck. If I could go back and do it again, I would do it. It's, it's, it's upside down. Mm-hmm. That's really where I think. And if we, you know, religion tells us the same thing, right? Like the kingdom of heaven is within. I think every major religion's like, hey, what's going on inside is way more important than what's going on outside. Yeah. Right? And, we, and then we just like, oh, yeah, but forget that. That's, that. that's not important. But wait a minute. Like every teaching across all bounds say the same thing. Yeah, the you know you were talking about all those things, um, and I always uh, have heard it like you've got a car-sized hole in you, man. You've got a you've got a you know money's not going to fill that hole. You get all these things, <clears throat> and you start acquiring them and, and accomplishing them, but that fucking wind still blows right through you and chills you to the bone, and you're like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Right. Maybe I do need a newer car, newer house, and a 19-year-old girlfriend. Right. And then you get those things and you've left a fucking wake of carnage behind you. And, and then it's like, well, that's not doing it. Right. So then you just continue those same patterns until you're a miserable fuck with a pistol in his mouth, you know, or a miserable 38 year old with a pistol in his mouth. Right. Whatever it may be, you know, and, and a lot of these guys don't want to look at why is my operating system set to this default why do i always posture why do i always get up puffy chested and like feel like i have to beat my chest to hide that 85 percent underneath mm-hmm. that might be pretty dinged up mm-hmm. might be pretty cracked and broken you know i found for me that a lot of my behaviors were based on some sexual trauma when i was a kid mm-hmm. you know by somebody that shouldn't have done that you know and and it and for a while, I used that as kind of a crutch, a reason to be hurt. But then I realized 
that it's my choice. Yes, now I know the origin of the hurt mm-hmm. because I did the work, a lot of it begrudgingly, but I did it. Mm-hmm. And it fucking sucks, mm-hmm. you know, going through that stuff. It is it is not all burritos and blowjobs, man. It, mm-hmm. But on the other side of it, when you get to the other side of it and you can see it for what it is, it's the most liberating thing ever. And what hurts me, and one of the reasons that I started this podcast and the Facebook group is because I would see and converse and interact with other men and you can see that hurt on them Mm -hmm. like hidden behind all the bravado and shit Mm -hmm. and hidden behind all the you know I'm going to bang so many chicks and I'm going to do this I'm going to do that and and it's like can we can we talk about you know which uncle played with your dick when he shouldn't have or let's get into the weeds here man and so when I hear guys doing this stuff and doing this work, man, it, it just, man, it fucking lights up inside of me. That's why I'm so thrilled to be able to, to get to talk to you. So you had kind of like, um, and if you don't want to talk about it, I'm an open book, brother. I'll talk about literally anything. So in, uh, right before you decided to do the year to live project, mm-hmm. you got like, you got the trifecta. I mean, the, the three piece in a soda. Yep. Well, I guess that would be four, but, yeah. um, so tell me about it. You know, the, the, I was, you know, I was the guy who had it all. And I say that with the asterisks of I was the guy married to the model with the successful business that I ran myself that I could mm-hmm. show up whenever I wanted and not. Uh, I, my business partner was a guy I'd known for 20 years. I was, I owned a gym. I was 8% body fat. I lived in Santa Barbara. I made great money. I surfed a lot. I was like, man, I got, I got this made. And then in very short order, uh, my ex-wife and I got pregnant and then she or we, which however you want to look at it, miscarried. And that was the start. If I say the first domino that fell in my life, that was the first one because I came home from the hospital with her and she asked, are you okay? And I was like, fucking fine. And was not within a country mile of being fine. And immediately began drinking twice as much as I was, smoking twice as much dope, looking at twice as much porn, exercising twice, like just went insane. And then very quickly after she left the marriage and the very next day, my business partner said he and I should also separate. So it was the trifecta of, it was the, you know, I'm a fighter, jab, cross hook. And I was out. And, and thankfully so, because I think each one of those, perhaps individually, I could have ducked and weaved around and been like, okay, cool. I can handle this. It'll just be six months and I'm back on my feet. But because it was all three, it literally knocked me to rock bottom, like rubbing my face on the dog shit that was on rock bottom. And I say, thankfully, because I couldn't bypass it. I couldn't out drink it. I could not smoke it. I could not fuck it. I could not work it, jerk it, whatever it was. Like intuitively, my sense of self was like, okay, we're pretty fucked here. So let's actually go a different way. And as opposed to let's do, let's put together a beautiful program on how to avoid all of this pain and then, you know, maybe deal with it down the road let's actually fall apart and put together a program on how to experience and alchemize all of this pain. Because when I say I was the guy who had it all, the asterisk is 
I was your standard dude, Ryan, who had it all and was fucking miserable, but didn't know it. Right. So I was drinking a lot. I was high every day of my marriage and I'm an acupuncturist and a gym owner. So very out of integrity. Right. I was, I would come home and be like, what am I doing? Why? And here's the more important question. Why can't I not, why can't I stop doing this? Why is it every Monday driving to work? I'm like, man, I had six more beers this weekend than I wanted to. And I was high from Thursday night till Sunday night. I won't smoke this week. I won't drink as much this week. And then Monday afternoon, done with work, smoking a joint on the way home. And like, well, maybe next week's better. And that's so adamant. I, I, I when people hear this, like, that's not me. Yet somehow that had become my life. And so there was so much that was missing on the inside. There was so much reflection that wasn't happening. There was so much I was unhappy about in my marriage that I couldn't say or didn't say. There was so much that I was discontent with in my business partnership that I wouldn't say or couldn't say. And I was diving and and like trying to just constantly like outmaneuver those feelings as opposed to being an adult and sitting down with both people and saying, Hey, wife, this doesn't work for me. And I'd love to work with you on how to make it work. Hey, business partner, this doesn't work with me anymore or for me. I'd love to figure out a way to actually make this work or not. And I was so afraid, I think, of losing both of those because there was nothing underneath them. That my job was just to duck and weave and pretend that everything was fine. Right? So it was, that's, that's my story. It was, I was fighting like hell for shit I didn't even want. And I didn't know that I didn't want it until I lost it. And that's what I think is such a common story with men because my ego was like either she's the most attractive woman I've ever seen on the planet. What will happen? What will people think of me if I'm not with her? This gym is super successful and I look great and I'm, I'm, in, I'm the face of it. I'm the voice of it. What will happen to me? Who will I be if, it, if I'm suddenly not that? And so to lose it all at the same time was devastating. Like literally it was, I was in crisis, right? People calling me every hour. Are you still alive? You still alive? Thinking about like, am I going to live through this? Going to therapy, going to men's groups, getting sober completely, going to do all the work of like, huh, what's going on in me from my past that I never wanted to deal with? never wanted to acknowledge childhood abuse, whatever you want to call it and say, Oh, ding, 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 ding. I'm not special. I'm not different. I'm not able to avoid my pain just because I write good and speak good and deadlift good, which somewhere in my head, I don't know this is like the fucked up part of the programming somewhere in my head. I literally would say to myself and then say to my ex, how can anything be wrong? The business made a half a million dollars last year. I'm pulling this much weight off the ground at this, at this body fat. These many people are reading my writing and, and asking me to come speak. How can anything be wrong given those external productions? And she would say, sure, but you don't sleep. You wake up at three o'clock in the morning and do bong rips to try to go back to bed. You're drinking four or five cups of coffee before you even leave the bed, right? You're working out twice a day. You can't sit still. 
you know, she would come home, Ryan. This is this is the picture because I think it's it's very accurate for a lot of men. She would come home and I would have football on the TV with no sound, listening to music. I would have my computer next to me, most likely having just looked at porn if she wasn't home. Uh, a notebook next to me to write down business ideas. My phone open to Facebook, a beer in my hand and a half smoked joint on the table. And that I literally, this is where I'm like, oh my God, what was I thinking? I would go, of course I'm fine. How could I not be fine? We made 40 grand last month. Yeah. Without looking at that whole picture and going, this is the actual definition of insanity. Like what, how can you be so uncomfortable in your own skin that you need like nine different distractions just to sit on the couch on a Friday afternoon? That whole irritable, restless, and discontent thing, man. Right? Starts coming in. I, I can I can 100% uh, uh, relate to all that because I'll have all these different things going on and then wonder why, why I don't have the mental or emotional capacity to, to function at the end of the day. And it's because I've been so distracted from myself and from the bullshit that I'm trying to hide from. Not currently. This was then. Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, I was just a zombie. I couldn't, I, I had no more emotional energy to give anyone. Right. And of course. Because you were using it all up to hide. Right. For sure. For sure. So you, uh, so this happens and then tell me about your, the year to live project. Sure. I suddenly woke up with a lot of open space. So like one day I'm going to be a dad. I'm happily, I think happily married. I'm happily, I think in a business partnership. Then a couple months later, divorce goes through business partnerships. Severance goes through. I sell him my half of the business. Almost. This is crazy. Um, they both cleared on the same day. Not wild. There's a sure. couple times when they both lined up. That was like within an hour of each other. They both had the conversation with me. It was nuts. But anyway, I'm suddenly now going, okay, I'm 39 years old. I don't have a wife. I don't have a kid and I don't have a business, but I have a paycheck for the next two years as part of the closing deal. What am I going to do with myself? And I'm not a, I'm a restless person. So I was like, I need something, you know, and the advice I was getting from people in my, not in my close circle, but I got a lot was move one town over open another gym, pick someone from your old gym, get remarried, you know, a lot of women and start over. And I went, okay, I will be right back here where I am having this conversation three years from now, if I do that. So, you know, a number of long stories short, I read a book by a guy named Stefan Levine called A Year to Live. And it was this external, I'm sorry, internal preparation for someone who has a chronic illness or a, a, a terminal illness, how do you prepare the last year of your life so that when you leave, you leave in peace? And I was fascinated by this book. And so I went down to his son's meditation center in LA and just took a class, like sat there and meditated, listened to the Dharma talk after and came out and went to the bathroom. And then outside of the bathroom on a cork board, there was the piece of paper that said the year to live program. I went, oh, a program, that's fascinating. So I went home and looked it up and called them and was like, hey, what, what is this? 
And they said, we, we have people come in every month for 12 months and they work through the book. And so it's a lot of people with terminal illnesses or people who are married to or family members of, and it's all meditations. I went, well, that's not really what I'm looking for. I just had this sense. I want to do something bigger. And then here's the caveat to the story. So if you take that, I had this idea and another woman in my life, uh, a gym member had just seen me do a talk for the gym on pain. And she said, you really need to do that at Ted. And I was like, no fucking way. Cause <laughs> right. my life is in the shit right now. There's no way I want to stand on a Ted stage. And so she and I went back and forth for a couple of weeks. And then she finally called me right around the time I was in LA looking at this thing. And she said, Ted LA will take you in six months or six, I'm sorry, six weeks, but here's what they want. They want you to do a six week social experiment or experiment of any kind. It has to be tangible. So they want you to take 20 people, work them through your ideas about dealing with pain and then do before and after metrics and produce the metrics. And that's what the talk will be about. It can't be philosophical. It has to be like statistical. And I went, no fucking way. I'm not going to deal with 20 humans when I can barely deal with myself, with like two sets of attorneys and, you know, all the things. And I hung up the phone with her and I saw the pamphlet on my coffee table and got that like woof of just divine inspiration or whatever you want to call it. Like I got chills and I had this idea and I picked the phone right back up. I just got chills telling the story um, and said, here's what I'll do. Call Ted LA, tell them I'll be back in 12 months and I'm going to put myself through a social experiment. And for an entire year, I'm going to live full fucking on like it's my last year on earth. And she just got dead quiet. I went, holy shit, that will be a game changer for you. That will change the course of your life forever. And I hung up yeah. the phone and suddenly I knew what I was going to do for 12 months. I knew where my energy was going to go. I knew that it was something so much bigger than me. And I knew that if I was going to do it, I'd have to one, share it publicly because so much of my life had been in secrecy. And if I could do that, it would be an entirely different journey than just doing this thing solo, right? And like out there in the world, kind of doing my deal and talking to people and making amends and all the things. But man, what if I fucking did it publicly and wrote about it the entire time? And I was just coming back into the idea too that I wanted to be a writer in the next iteration of my life. And so all that shit came together, man. And for 12 months, I did that. I sold everything I owned got in my truck, planned this entire year of events, uh, experiences, conversations, all the hard shit. It was like, here was the setup of the year. My goal was January 1st to, if I was going to die, take this huge breath and be free. Just be like, no regrets, no open loops, no conversations left unsaid, no things yet to experience you know, within reason, how would I do that? What would I need to do? And I thought, okay, if I can do that, and this is the kind of, I figured the halfway point of my life, I'm about to turn 40 and I add in some, let's just hope that I don't die December 31st. 
what do I need to learn so that the next 40 years are completely different than the first 40 and that they're so much more internal, they're emotionally based, they're holistic, they're healthy. Like what if I combined all of that into one magical year long journey and man, it was a fucking ride. Yeah. It was like, you know, you can say like, and say this to you and people listening, you guys can probably imagine what you do, but two months in three months in it's not fun anymore it's not fun to be sleeping in a truck it's not fun to be in airbnbs it's not fun to be in therapy it's not fun to be calling ex-girlfriends and saying like hey i really need to apologize to you for x y and z do you forgive me it's not fun to tell your parents all the things that you need to clear up with them right i volunteered in hospice went in the dark room for a month like it was hard shit every day and I was so far outside my fucking comfort zone every day that it was like, okay, I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm never going to be comfortable again. It was brutal and yet achieved the goal that I wanted. Cause you're completely powerless to it. You can't fuck it or fight it. Nothing. Or, or, uh, pitch it anyway. I mean, you're in it, in it, in the, in the swirl, in the tornado for the entire, for 12 months. How was it the last week? The last week was hard, man, because here's what I did in the last week. For the first time in 25 years, I brought my family together for Christmas. Oh, shit. So it was all of the lessons of an entire year culminating in this one event, which was a very challenging event. Right? And the whole thing was hard. Like I won't, I won't sugarcoat this and say like January 1st, I like skipped off in the sunset enlightened and then found a paycheck and met the girl yeah. and bought, you know, all the things it was even January 2nd was like, Oh shit. Now what? Right. For 12 months, I've had this focus and this project and it like took me out of society. <laughs> like it's the hero's journey, but now I'm back in society. Okay. I got to go buy food, get somewhere to live, find a way to support myself meet people like, Oh, it's back into real life. So yeah, it was. And, and yet walking back into those situations, a completely transformed individual, like a new man, a new man completely. And yet having things on that from that journey still take months to integrate, right? It's not like, Oh, got the lesson. It's embodied, got the lesson and it's embodied. It's like learning to, everything needed some more time to marinate and percolate and kind of become my version of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I imagine there was still some residual damage waiting here you for you back here in reality. hundred percent. I still wasn't divorced. So, Oh yeah. So I come out, you know, do this whole year long project. And on like January 15th, I'm still getting emails from my attorney saying, hey, the whole thing's now upside down. Your ex-wife or your wife is now asking for a bunch of shit. She wasn't. Like, I'm still in the soup, right? But at least now have some more tools to navigate it. That's the thing, man. I mean, you go through any kind of... So, like, if anybody's listening to this, I mean, you were a normal fucking guy. Mm-hmm. You're not... I mean, I'm sure you had skills and things that you trained for, but you're not... Um, you're just a normal dude that normal did dude. his things and then got to a point to where he thought he was at the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then that shit got knocked out from underneath him. Mm-hmm. It's such um, a cliche story, 
right? It's oh, like it's yeah. cliche as fuck. Like I'm almost embarrassed to say it. Like I'm the guy who had it all and lost it all. Like oh god. But the reason they call them cliches is because they're fucking. I know. True. I know. I know. <laughs> right. They are true. And I know there's guys right now listening and go, "Well, it must be nice to be able to leave for two or for a year." Of course. You know, I hate that fucking saying. It must be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't even have to look like that. If a guy is going through something similar, you you don't have to like sell everything and leave, but you do all. have to like redirect yourself and like get rid of all this extra shit that doesn't matter. Yeah. That's weighing you down. Quit worrying about paying insurance on your boat. Right. Or, or this or that or the other, just recenter yourself and focus on where you want to be and then make that map for sure. Get there because you got to get through it. The only way to get to the other side of something is to get through it. hundred percent. Because if you try to go around it, you're going to end up where you started every time, every time. And I, I fielded that question all the way through the year and after of like, oh, it must be nice. I was like, yeah, it is. And you don't not engage in your own consciousness and your own growth and your own evolution. You don't not do that because you can't do what I did. You can go to fucking therapy once a month. Every guy listening, you can go once a week. You can go to the gym today. You can write down the song that you want to play on the guitar. You can have the conversation with your partner. You can have the conversation with your daughter or your son. You know, I used to, one of the things I did, I mentioned earlier, was sitting across the table from an ex-girlfriend and saying, I fucked up. I, w- I need to ask you for forgiveness. And I would tell this story to people all over the world. And this was kind of my like pushback on the like, it must be nice. Because I tell them that story and, and then, then ask, is there anybody in your life who you think you need to ask forgiveness from? And everyone would be like, oh my God, yes, there's this one, blah, 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 blah. And I would literally take my phone, brother, and I'd slide it across the table and be like, let's call him right now. And then like, oh, no, 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 now it's not, no, 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 I can't, blah, 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 blah. Start talking fast. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't need 12 months and a paycheck and a, and a trip around the world. You can make that phone call, everybody listening on this call, as soon as you get done. You just need balls. You just need and, – and the decision that I'm not going to be plugged into the matrix or I'm not going to be in this unconscious loop of, God, I wish something would change. God, I wish something would change. Man, nothing's changing. That's nuts. God, I wish – it's like stop, take a breath, step out of your own patterns – do something that's against your own patterning. If your pattern is to keep it in, let it out. If your pattern is to let it out, write it down, right? So if we just go against our own patterning, we're going to get a different reaction. We have to, we have to. Like a lot of men listening, like if all you do is deadlift and you stop deadlifting and just do a month of presses overhead, you will change your body. It's inevitable. But everyone's just deadlifting and deadlifting and deadlifting and being like, man, my press sucks. Yeah. Why are my shoulders? Yeah. Why are my shoulders (laughs) growing? My fucking back hurts too. (laughs) Well, I mean, the definition of insanity is to continue in the same thing over and over expecting a different result. And we are an insane society. You keep doing what you're doing and you're going to keep getting what you're getting. Yeah. And, and I had, I had to hear that. In so many different ways. I heard your uh, your podcast you did with uh, Asher Packman, mm-hmm. and that was 
I, I love what that guy's doing too. Such a cool dude. Um, I'm going to put a link to that episode on this so cool. guys can go listen to it because, oh. you know, I heard, I heard him and I was like, dude, I got to talk to that guy. I mean, <clears throat> I was man. fired up. Yeah. Amazing man. But it's, um, um, oh shit. I just lost my train of thought. Cause I went that way. It's okay. Let me eh. jump in on something you said though, because it's the, if the definition of insanity is repetitive patterns, hoping for a different outcome. What the real necessity is then is to look at what is the origin of the pattern and what is the pattern protecting? So when a lot of guys hear this, they go, okay, I'll do it. I'll double down on the effort. And then two weeks later, they've lost the drive or it's, it's not happening anymore because it's not the pattern. It's what's underneath the pattern. When you get to the trauma, when you get to the fear, when you get to the pain that you're protecting or hiding from with the pattern, then guess what? The pattern goes away. No amount of effort is going to change it. 100%. You can keep, you can keep <clears throat> trying to put forth effort to the outside thing that's supposed to fix the inside thing that you haven't done the work to even be fucking aware of. 100%. It's like if your toilet basin's leaking, but you keep caulking it, it's going to keep <laughs> leaking. You're going to keep caulking. It's going to keep getting fucked up. Like you've got to figure out what it is that's leaking. <laughs> We can guys do, don't we can do dude analogies all day with this. I fucking love it. <laughs> I'll get deep in the weeds with analogies. I'm like with my wife. I'm like, okay, so imagine, you know, you're a plane, right? And she's just, <clears throat> I could see her just fucking checking out like, oh God, here we go. <clears throat> my sweet wife never rolls her eyes at me. Yeah. And I'm so grateful because that takes so much restraint <laughs> for the shit she has to hear. I love it. And then you wrote, uh, I did Today I Rise was my first book, and it was okay. <clears throat> maybe three weeks after finishing the, pro the Year to Live project. I just needed to get divorce stuff out. And so I wrote a 90-day, like, here's what it was, man. I was super depressed and was like, fuck, what do I do now? And my buddy challenged me to write 90 individual letters to the me who woke up and found out that morning that his wife was leaving. And I went, what a good idea. He's a genius. And for the next two months, all I did was sit and type and I had a project and I had something to chew on. I had a purpose. I had a mission. Boom. I knocked that book out. It gets out into the world. And then here's where things get interesting. Men start contacting me. Crazy, right? Like guys going, I'm getting divorced. My buddy's getting divorced. My brother's getting divorced. My coworker's getting divorced and he's a fucking mess. And if we look at divorce, eight out of 10 male suicides come from divorce or a breakup. So guys don't do well with that situation. So these guys start reaching out to me and I'm not coaching. I'm literally not doing anything except trying to push the book. And I, so I take every phone call that comes in and just start having conversations with random dudes. Like, wow, you're going through this. What do you think about that? What do you think about doing it this way? And then Ryan, get the million dollar statement. You should probably charge for this. And I'm like, charge for what? Like, I'm just, I'm just a dude talking to other dudes. But then it started to come in again from like divine intervention where I could look at a man's story or hear a man's story and within five minutes know, okay, this is not a marriage issue. This is a masculinity issue. And not even a mask. This is how you are living out of alignment as a man. That's, that's the root. 
the branches are, we don't give a fuck what they are. They're cocaine, they're alcohol, they're cheating, they're porn, they're overweightness, they're symptoms of they're symptoms of. Yeah. But if you change this as a man, all of that will change. And I had a couple guys go, holy shit. They'd contact me a month or two later and say, everything changed. And so I did start coaching. I did start saying, okay, you guys got to fucking pay me for this now. And got a few guys through a program that I came up with, which was the Man Uncivilized program. Didn't have a name at the time. It was just a men's coaching program. And it just kept happening and kept happening. And I, I saw the need for it kind of globally when Me Too hit. I was in New York, living in New York City. And so every morning, it was like, someone else got fucking me too. Someone else we found out is a douchebag. And then all of the women responding that like, Oh my God, I know all of you. You all went through this too of some weird shit that some dude had done. I was like, Oh man, we are not doing well as a species. And I kept reading article after article after article about men are fucked up. The boys are lost. Men are this men are that. And yet what I didn't ever get was and this is how we solve it, right? I was just like, okay, cool. So we're not doing, okay, cool. So there's rapes really bad. Okay, cool. Men are doing, this is how we solve it. Didn't exist. And I remember one day just being furious. I'm like, well, then I'll fucking solve it. Cause I, I've been doing this on this micro level. What if I tried to take it out to the macro, which is a whole nother journey. And so I just threw some stuff out on social media and then boom, it exploded off to the races, like hundreds of messages a day from people saying, oh my God, I've never heard it positioned this way. No one's ever talked about it this honestly. No one has given us a solution. I'm a guy who's all banged up, but I don't know what to do. I'm a guy who's all banged up, but I don't want to go to therapy with my wife. But what you were saying and the way you were saying it makes sense to me. Can you tell me more? And, and this is like, okay, uh, sure. I didn't have a grand plan for it. It didn't have a strategy. It was just day by day. And so I then sat down kind of the same version. I said, okay, what if I put together 75 things that men need to know to live a different way? And I wrote them in my raw cage fighter language. I, I have a designer put it together where it's like, it's got pictures. Guys are going to look at it and just shove it into the world and see what happens. And that's the man uncivilized book. And then again, boom, my life explodes off to the races, which it's an amazing book. Thank you. When I got it and I, I've got to give you some props Thank first you. because I ordered it and an empty package showed up, right? And it, it was torn open. Y'all didn't send me like a, a fuck you letter in there or anything <laughs> like, Hey, guess what? Asshole. You're the lucky one. This is great marketing. I just sent yeah. packages. <laughs> yeah. But I, I emailed you and whether it was you that answered it, it or not, great. but I, I, I got an immediate response and you were like, well, that's not how it's supposed to fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a new book within a day or two. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it was, uh, I was just impressed by that because a little side note, uh, we've all got something. We've all got a product. We've all got a shtick. We've yep. all got something. Everyone's something. Yeah. It's customer service that's the dying thing. Mm -hmm. And that's talking about treating people like honest humans and giving the benefit of the doubt. Amen. You know what I mean? For sure. And so props to you on that. Thank you. And back to the book. The book is amazing. Thank you. I love it. Um, I, 
I'm going to put a link on here so guys can find you on Instagram so they can find the book. Beautiful. And um, the one thing that you, that you, it reminded me from the Asher podcast was the universe tapping on you. Mm. Y'all were talking about how the universe kind of tickles you on the nose and yeah, then it does it with a feather yeah. and then it punches yeah. you in the whatever the fucking head. Yeah, yeah, and you've yeah. got to call. You've got to call that, and men need to hear that because there's so many of us that are like, Dude, I just don't feel right, man. I don't right. feel. And and if you tell a guy, hey, you need to live your truth, mm-hmm. you can see his fucking eyes roll back of his head, yeah. you know. And 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 if you don't feel like you're where you're supposed to, that doesn't mean just because you're unhappy because you've made choices and like you don't like your boss. And I think a lot of that can be relieved with learning how to regain masculinity mm-hmm. and the whole talk of toxic masculinity and all this other, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a fucking buzzword. Yeah, you know, sure. people are, people are assholes. Mm-hmm. Don't be a dick. Yep. Don't rape women. Don't right. take a, a, a young act- actress and try to exploit her. So you can, so you can have sex with her and then promise her a role. But as men and as women, we need to be teaching our daughters that it's not okay to put yourself in that spot. And 100%. if you do get in that spot, then you need to know how to protect yourself and know your value to say, fuck, no, I'm not doing that. You stinky fuck. I'll go wait tables for another 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it makes everybody so afraid to navigate through this world. It's like being a police officer right now. Mm. I would be terrified to be a police officer. And I have lots of friends that are law enforcement and have been for multiple multiple years and it's like yeah man every time we do anything there's a damn phone in our face or you know it's like any it's a it's a every there's just all these landmines out for everyone Mm -hmm. and your book is is i think drawing a map for men to be able to navigate maybe not navigate but just blaze right through that landmine and to be like fuck it this is who i am but don't be an asshole yeah i wrote it to be succinct like follow this like use this, like it's a guidebook. You can open to any chapter at any time and go, oh, this thing about integrity, the thing about boundaries, this thing about put your, you know, face a door when you sit in a restaurant, be a protector, right? It's, it's just a different way of, here was the position, man, was primal masculine is not going to go away. Primal masculinity, period, fucking period. And all the people who are calling primal masculinity toxic, live in an over safe world, right? I remember hearing an interview with a woman in Russia who was like, oh no, we love that men are brave, stoic, risk takers and can fuck shit up. Why? Because people attack us and we, and we need that. But here in the West, we're, we're not in that situation. So anything that can be construed as uncomfortable gets labeled toxic. But that primal drive is in men. You watch little boys wrestle. We didn't pull them aside at two and go, hey, guess what? You know what's really fun? Because you're a dude and you have a dick. Go wrestle with him, right? That's just, that's just how we are. Uh, I, I've said this at a workshop a couple months ago. It was equal parts men, equal parts women. And said, here's the deal, folks. Right now, be 100% dead honest. If we, and we were in this big house in, uh, in Colorado. If we hear gunshots outside and then like, bam, 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 bam on the door. Tell me, be honest, instinctually, who wants to run to the door? Who wants to run downstairs? And the guys are like, I'll run to the fucking door. And the women said, you know what? We would probably go. And if there were children in the house, 
how would that change this? And all the women were like, we would go down. We would take the kids and go downstairs with the exception of like one woman who was like, I'm going to the fucking door. Like, cool. You come with us. That I don't think is just nurture, right? I don't think it's just how we're all raised. There's a reason why uh, Sebastian Younger had this quote in a podcast a couple of weeks ago. It's like 92% of uh, public interventions in danger or accident are men. Meaning if you fall on the train tracks or you're starting to get mugged in New York City, 9.2% of 9.2 out of 10 times, a dude's going to come help you. Again, I just don't think that's how we're all raised. Because I don't remember getting brought up in Wilton, Connecticut, and my dad pulling me aside and saying like, hey, if you ever see danger, run towards it because you're a dude. I think it's just in me. So that's the primal. Yet, Ryan, we know everything you and I talked about with emotion, with sharing, with feelings, with depth of experience, that level of consciousness needs to be brought into the male collective so that it's not just fuck Harvey Weinstein. It's all of us going, oh my God, we don't, we can't even imagine living this way. We've done all the work on our shadows. Like you brought up sexual trauma. There's nothing more, you're going to, Nothing will increase your likelihood of being a sexual predator than sexual trauma that's unresolved or unworked with. And we could talk about sexual trauma, man. It is not the common or or comfortable conversation with men, but yet I have said this publicly that I think it's going to be the new smoking in 10 years that we go, oh, a lot of boys have been traumatized sexually a lot. Because when I do yeah. workshops, workshops, there's four female hands that go up or five out of you know eight that say like I was traumatized sexually as a kid. And then just in the last year, there's been a one male hand and then one male hand. But here's what happens after those workshops. Inevitably, two guys pull me aside and go, you know what happened to me? I just don't want to talk about it. Like, oh, two years ago, no one talked about it. No hands went up and every, no one pulled me aside after. So the consciousness states we have to work on our fucking trauma. We have to go to therapy. We have to go to men's groups. We have to speak about what's happened to us, even if it's not capital T trauma. I don't care what happened to you. If you've lived till 40, you've been traumatized. If you live till 20, you've been traumatized, right? No matter what, I don't care. I don't care if you grew up on... on Silver spoons, something happened. We're all dinged up. We're all dinged up, period. So if we take those two elements and go, guys, this is the missing solution. Own the fact that you want to fight sometimes. You want to fuck some shit up. It's really fun to blow things up. It's fun to like chop down trees and build things. And that's okay. And go, oh, I need to have a relationship with energy and feeling and emotion. I at least need to start a relationship with it because the world we see now of men, the statistics, the picture from prison to assault, to domestic violence, to diabetes, to heart disease, like we can name them all. They are the after effect of men not feeling. So if we're logical creatures and we go, man, I really want these numbers to come down logically 
graph, spreadsheet, Excel, like good mail shit. Then in order to do that, we need to feel what's actually going on inside of us so that we don't cover those feelings up with actions that lead to those statistics. And making that loop just continue. Continue. Because that's where our that's where our kids learn that shit. It's time for men to break the cycles. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Because you talked about uh <clears throat> you talked about uh, uh, how more li- how how much more likely men are to be sexual predators if they were sexually traumatized as a child. And that's I mean to me that just makes perfect sense, but it's not it wasn't even something that was on the radar. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, so after doing work, after, after, you know, the sexual trauma kind of came, cause I had it all blocked out mm-hmm. and after it, after it came up and I had some time to marinate in it, really be the victim of it. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing work on it and started doing EMDR therapy and things like that, Good which is you. a phenomenal therapy. And what, what had happened was I gained some empathy for the person that committed the, the, the abuse because Big. I was able to tell myself or not tell myself, just realize they didn't just come up with that. Right. You know, something was done to them. And then it made me kind of look at the whole, um, theater at the time and kind of look at everything and think, Oh, fuck me. And, and it just, it, it allowed space for a little forgiveness to come in. Mm-hmm. Now I don't, I, I'm not around that person now and I don't have any plans to be, but there's not that hate, right? You know, burning there. And, and I, I, you also said something about uh, being stoics mm-hmm. and stoicism. <clears throat> and for me, I always thought stoicism was just not feeling shit right. and just suppressing everything. But just like an enemy, I mean, these emotions, these feelings, these things in our past, we have to know what they are. We have to label them, know how to navigate through them. If we're going to fight them or evade or however you want to look at it, or heal from them. Yes, yeah. because you've got to know what's triggering you. Mm-hmm, for sure. when, your kid, when your kid does something, there was something that my wife used to do. She would kind of come in right here and just hover. And what she was doing is she was being sweet. And she was going to give me a kiss goodnight, but it was always like while I was playing my guitar or doing something at the end of the night, and it would make me kind of cringe, like like just rage would pop. No reason, absolutely no fucking reason for it. And my daughter, when she was little, would come up, you know, kids, they'll talk, and they just like talk with their mouth on you. you know I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. breathing on you. Especially and, if they're sick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it would drive me crazy, but it was my baby girl. Right. You know I mean? That's my daughter. Right. I would light the fucking world on fire to keep her warm. Right. But, but it would, so I would, I brought that up during an EMDR session and that feeling doing the EMDR is what took me back mm-hmm. to the time to where I saw everything going on with that, um, uh, the person that I was, had that trauma with. Mm-hmm. And I could see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing how all that shit stores in us, 100%. in our body. And dudes don't want to talk about that. Mm-mm. But if you want to be able to walk through this world freely mm-hmm. and have the a privilege of being stoic about things and looking at something and go, huh, 
I see why I'm feeling this way. I'm just not going to go ahead and mm-hmm. I'm not going to marinate in that. I'm just going to let that one go. Right. And, but man, you're, you're out there doing the work. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing this shit to other men. Mm-hmm. I applaud you. Thank you. Appreciate that. And you're doing I, the work too. I, thank you. Right. It has to be done on the individual level as well. We can talk about it. We can write books about it. We can make it cool. I can pull sweatshirts with the logo on it. But unless guys, thank you, are willing to sit there and go, oh my fucking God, this is what happened to me. Or, oh my God, this is just the thing that I've been reacting to. That is so uncomfortable. And for us, it's so uncomfortable because it's not physical. Right? We take a guy and say, hey, I want you to do a go ruck this weekend. Throw 50 pounds on your back. <clears throat> I want you to walk for a marathon. They'd be like, yeah, I'll do it. Fuck yeah. Hey, I need you to sit for 10 minutes in your own shame without smoking, drinking, fighting, fucking jerking, looking, whatever. And they go like, you are an insane human. I will never do that. How dare you go fuck yourself. Yeah. So you'll start like twitching and shit. (laughs) Like they go into seizures and that's the practice. That's the actual point we are as a species. I think evolutionarily, if we do that, our daughters and sons grow up in safe households. Our, our spouses grow up in safe houses or grow in safe houses. We don't get divorced. We, for the most part, we eat better. We sleep better. And oh my God, all of the shit that we're doing that's negative per se suddenly evaporates. All from the willingness to be uncomfortable, be vulnerable, be open and go, okay, I'm actually human. Where it's like a new, there's the old software is done. Fuck it, it's done. Most guys are running on like DOS 1987. And like, holy shit, we have iPhones. All the more reason why. Okay, you got to do that inner work. You've got to do that inner work. And if you, those of you listening, if you have kids, if you do not do the inner work, I can virtually guarantee you they will have to. Virtually guarantee it. How many of us have said, I just didn't want to end up like my dad? Tell me exactly how your dad is. Oh, that's everything that you just listed that you said you're trying not to do, but you're actually doing. What is this, a fucking cliche? No, it's just what gets passed down. It's those patterns. And, you know, the one thing that um, you talked about the women in Russia, how they like this, this, and this, you know. And um, I know we're running out of time, so I wanted to just sure, sure. touch on this. But my wife is the one of the most brilliant confident uh one of the classiest women i've ever met we're we're complete opposites i mean it's like black and white in our personalities not uh, that wasn't self-deprecating i mean comma we are complete different (laughs) but she loves that i'm a man she is not oppressed by me i could tell i could be shitty to her and she would spin on her heels and be like you're not going to talk to me like that because she is a confident self-assured individual person Mm -hmm. and she is fine with or without me beautiful we just come together and make this team this power and we build each other up if you keep ending up with and we'll just say women we'll just pick on women Mm -hmm. um or men whatever if you if you keep ending up with partners and it's the same oppressive narcissistic jealous controlling person you got to look at who's the common denominator 
And if these women, if these people are oppressing you and, and calling you toxic and beating you down and, and, and making, picking apart everything that makes you a man, mm. then you might want to start doing some work so you could start um, attracting a, a, a higher quality partner mm-hmm. that will build you up. And you're not going to live the rest of your life getting fucking pecked to death. 100%. Well, man... We're out of time. Beautiful. And I, I cannot tell you how grateful I am to have this opportunity to speak with you. My pleasure. For coming across your presence on Instagram so I can continue to follow you, grow watching you. Um, I'm grateful that you put your pain and your love and your, your words into the world so other men can continue down this path and continue to grow. Thank you. Um, there's so much more that I would love to talk to you about. I mean, the blindfolds, that project, uh, all the different things you do, but why don't you tell everybody where they can find you sure. so that they can start, um, they can start following you themselves. Amazing. Thank you so much for that acknowledgement too. I really appreciate it. Uh, I live and die on Instagram. So I'm at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. And I'm taking this entire year, man, and I'm living on the road. I'm in an Airbnb right now and I'm traveling for 12 months all over the world, just getting this idea out, doing events, doing workshops, doing talks. And you can find me on that tour at manuncivilized.com forward slash the tour. And to get your hands on a book, please get your hands on the book. My goal for the year is to get 10,000 of them out in the world. It's manuncivilized.com forward slash the book. And if you've read it, please share it. Like my mission is to change the way a million men express their masculinity. And that is a fucking massive goal. And I know for a fact, I can't do it by myself and I can do it with men who go, okay, you know what? My life wasn't working well either. Or I know five guys, every dude knows someone who's struggling. Get the book in their hands. Please help me share it. And thank you so much. And you guys listening, thank you for giving me your time and an opportunity to use your platform. And, and I will say this right now so that we can help him share his book. The first five guys or five women or moms or whatever that message me on Instagram after this episode comes out, I will personally send you a book for free. I'll pay for it. I'll send it to you. The stipulation is that you send, not that book, another one, at least to two people. Amazing. Thank you so much, brother. So that way we can help and get this thing out. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, man, I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you so much for coming on. And it was a pleasure. It was just a pleasure shooting the shit with you, man. Cheers, brother. You as well. Right on. Be well. See ya. See ya. Excellent. We just had such an amazing conversation with Trevor Boehm. What a cool fucking guy. Um, man, I you know... I was a little nervous at first because I always start getting in my head and like, oh shit, man, what are you going to talk about? And you're, I mean, you know, this guy's got a book and this blah, blah, blah. Dude, can we just get out of our fucking way? Get out of our own way? I mean, if I got out of my own way, I would, I would have, well, I would trip list. I know that. Um, fellas, no bullshit. 
the first five fellas, women, the first five people that message me on Instagram, I will send you his book. I'll pay for everything. I will ship it directly to to you. The only stipulation is that you send it to two people. Um, and, and I mean, so you think of someone in your life that you think that would, uh, that, that could, um, benefit from it and send it to them. And I'm so grateful that we got to spend the time together and talk about this stuff. Um, what a cool guy. What an interesting story. If you're telling yourself, man, it must be nice to be able to do all that shit like we talked about, please stop that. That saying drives me crazy. It might not bother you, but to me, it bothers me because I've been thinking about this a lot because Cody and I talk about this. It doesn't bother him, but it bothers me. What that saying says to me is, oh yeah, they get to have that, but I don't because... Oh, the only reason they have that is because this, this, this. Oh, the only reason they have this, this, this. It's like when you see a guy that's in shape and you're like, steroids. Uh, no, it's probably not. It's probably a diet. Um, working on their inner health. Getting good sleep. Training. Trusting a coach. Following a training plan. Recovering properly. Trusting the process getting their hormone levels checked. And if that's an issue, they're not just pumping an anabolic into their ass every week and then sitting on the couch. And then all of a sudden they get huge. It's not how it works. Um, or if you see somebody that's rich, rich, that word, just someone that's wealthy or successful. And you, uh, you look at it and you're like, yeah, but their daddy gave it to them. Who gives a shit? How fucking awesome is that? Their dad gave them a company and they haven't burnt it down. Because if my dad gave me a company when I was 25 or 27, holy shit, I would have I would have been bankrupt in a year because I hadn't done the work to be able to handle that kind of responsibility. So there's just some things that maybe we could think about. Next time you see yourself, try this, try this, try this. Next time you see yourself, catch yourself thinking, must be nice, or he only got that because, or yeah, because or yeah this you know he's rich because of this stop catch yourself and say i'm super happy for him i hope he continues to thrive i wish him even more success and mean it try to mean it and take a breath and see how that feels inside you i guarantee you if you put that kind of love and light out into the world, the universe will reciprocate. If you spend your whole life being a victim, less than, and oh yeah, they got this because of this, and, that, and making excuses, you're never going to get shit. So, check out the book. Follow Traver. Check out The Uncivilized Man. Check out his other books. Follow him on Instagram. And I'm going to put a link for that podcast episode I was talking about. Um, it was good. It was good. Him and this guy, Asher Packman, I think is his name, are just talking about uh, Asher's in Australia, and they're talking about what they're doing over there, what Asher's doing over there for men. 
and how he had a big trifecta of things happen to him and how he recovered from it. And it was just, you know, it's really inspirational stuff. And, and I hope you guys have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening. You do not have to be perfect, but you do have to be present. Love runs downhill. We chase those kids till the day we die.